So again, I don't know who he was, but he will be uh, remaining nameless. Um, also, I was uh, presented uh, a lovely <laughs> uh, gift, which I will not be able to wear any given time soon from my new friends from the um, whatever tribe it is that owns this casino. They gave me this nice little gift. Maybe it'll be a good surprise for my wife when she gets home because I will not be wearing it. Um, so yeah, there we go. Five of us here uh, attend. You know, we should study the Bible tonight. Um, who else is out there right now, though? Let's check in. we got seven viewers. Hey, Maddie's on there. My daughter. Hi, Maddie. So I, gotta, I can't tell any Maddie stories tonight. Huh. Well, this could be uh, a bust, but I want to show you this first. Um, again, if you didn't get to my Facebook page, if you didn't get to my Facebook page, go there now and look at the video from North Dakota uh, in the front of the bus. I don't think you can see that. Well, you can't. Never mind. It's too dark. I was going to show you this, but it's just too dark. You can't really see what's going on out there. Other than it is exceptionally cold uh, and brutal. And everywhere you look, it's like a desert of snow here. Um, and again, uh, if you think that I'm the only guy out here, understand this. Darius Rucker, okay, Booty and the Blowfish, who probably is the only African-American man to have been in this town in the past decade, played here. The, the voice of Hootie and the Blowfish uh, played at the casino. Jewel was here last week. Uh, if you get bored, uh, we have the customer comments here. Um, keeping in mind, this is a, it's straight up a, a casino, okay? And it is like nickel slots all day long. Uh, so I'm going to fill out the little comment card. What was the purpose of your trip? Attend a meeting or a conference? Do you have a reservation? Uh, anyway, overall lodge appearance. Better shut the window. It's like cold outside. Well, this is going to be ghetto tonight, isn't it? <laughs> I apologize if this doesn't work, but it's all we got. Um, we're going to have some band members join us tonight, but they're all on stage still because the show actually started an hour early here in uh, in North Dakota. So, uh, hey, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Exodus 13, and I'm going to. I wanted to dive in, and I'm thinking we could do discussion in the chat room forum when this is over. Um, so, I don't know how this will work, but we'll be we'll be chatting here, right? So I can we can then chat and talk kind of thing. So I don't know if this will work or not, but we will we'll see. Um, Exodus thirteen is where we left off last week. We left off with six hundred thousand men with their women and their children. So like for me, that would be me, but then I got like five more with my wife and my kids. Who is uh, Shannon is joining us tonight? They were dressed up like backpackers. It talked about them having their kitchen stuff on their back. It talked about their loins girded, which basically it was like they took their uh, their robes and pulled them up. So they were literally walk like they had walking shorts on. They had their Birkenstocks on, and they were leaving um, for another land. What you probably, if you've ever looked at the map, uh. And you see the, like in the back of your Bible, if you've got one of those little maps, it shows the journey that they took. 
and it looks like they went out of their way. And the reason that it looks that way is because they did. They were on a 10-day journey. If they would have gone straight through, okay, they could have done it in 10 days. But God intended it to be a year. Now, we know, we'll see that it actually ends up taking him 40 years. But God's plan, God's idea was that this 10-day journey was going to take him a year. When you look at the way it's laid out. And it's an interesting lesson that they were learning, a lesson that I could learn, a lesson that maybe you could learn. And that is that even though it felt like they were going in circles, that God actually did have a plan. And I think that the plan was this. It was easy. And if you don't hear anything more tonight and you decide to go back and watch Heroes tonight, which, Shannon, I hope you're recording Heroes for me. If you don't hear anything else tonight, it was not that they needed 10 days to get there. It was easy to get them out of Egypt. I mean, God, absolutely, that was an easy thing for him to have done, and he did it with his miracle-working power. What was hard was getting Egypt out of them. So in 10 days, they could have easily gotten out of Egypt. But God planned for a year because he needed to get Egypt out of them. And the trek was just about that. And I think that if you don't understand that, it can get a little confusing in your life. And that is, you wonder what it's about. Why is it taking so long? Why am I on this merry-go-round with God? I'm going around this again and again and again and again. And honestly, I think that God is taking you on a scenic route. God takes me on a scenic route. What? Very hard for me to hear of me. What, Shannon? What? Do I need to move closer? Is that better? Good. Hi, honey. The Bible calls us wanderers. And I don't know about you, but my journey to where I am now, to where God has called me, to where God has taken me, was kind of the scenic route. I mean, I don't know if that rings a bell with anybody else. You can type yes if it does. But I had this idea of where I wanted to be, had an idea of where I, I needed to be, but God took me on this scenic route. I mean, if you think about what I do for a living, it shouldn't have taken me 15 years to get here. But God had a plan, and it was a plan that ultimately in all of our lives and all of our callings, he's got to wring the world out of us. And it takes time, and it takes uh, sometimes it takes some uh, some crushing in the process. So let's go to verse 1, and I'm going to blow through it, and then we're going to talk about the pillar of fire and the cloud, and then I want to hear read what you guys think. So the Lord said to Moses in verse 1, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord has brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Yeast, as we talked about the last couple times, is, is uh, as a sign, is a symbol of sin. Then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day. You came out? Uh, no, verse 4. Today, in the month of Abib, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you, land flowing with milk and with honey, you're to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days, nothing with yeast. 
in it to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen within your borders. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And in verse 9, this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand. It's a visible sign for them, a picture that God painted for them. And, and honestly, it's a lot like what we would experience with communion. Uh, it's a visible sign. It says, uh, for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. And he says in verse 11, and the, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your forefathers, 12 of you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem, if you don't have this underlined, I would uh, I encourage you to underline it and maybe go back and to study it. But listen to this. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. The picture of redeeming a lamb with a donkey. And in that metaphor, I'm not sure if you realize there's a lamb in the metaphor, which would be the metaphor of Jesus. And then, of course, the donkey would be, well, you and I in that metaphor. And seven times in the Old Testament, eight times, I'm sorry, donkeys are mentioned. If you've got a pen and paper, you can write them down. Interesting. It's Genesis 22. Abe was taking up a donkey to Mount Moriah. Uh, he said to his servants, let's saddle the ass and go forth. The loss of liberty. Saddling, saddling the donkey. In Genesis 22, again, it's that same passage, but this time it's tie up the donkey. Tie him up. So a loss of liberty. It's in bondage and being saddled and being controlled. And in Genesis 49, Jacob's pronouncing his blessings on his boys and on his deathbed he comes to Issachar and he says to him uh, uh, you are like a uh, like a donkey you're heavily laden and you're burdened it's a picture of us of man of the works of the old man being burdened down every picture when you see this and again in Exodus 13 the picture of a donkey again it's not positive here right to break its neck and in Genesis 22 I think I skipped that one the ox and the donkeys are not to plow together which means the ox ready for service, service for the master, uh, and the donkey's got to sit on the sidelines. By the way, we just got this new dog, this uh, gigantic uh, black lab mix, and he's kind of like our own personal donkey, like completely stubborn. Uh, but it says here that he's not to get involved with service. And Samuel 9, uh, Saul, his dad, Kish is concerned because his donkeys have wandered away. They're wandering away where they shouldn't. And in Jeremiah 22, verse 19, that the the donkey was to be left for dead and tossed out the city gate. So what you see is this pattern of over and over and over and over again. When you see donkeys mentioned in the Old Testament, they're talked about in a very non-positive way. To be dead, to be burdened, to be taken down, saddled up. But interesting, in 8, okay, the last time that a donkey is mentioned is in Zechariah 8. And it's the great prophecy and eight in the Bible, in the numerology, is always the, the number of a new beginning. So seven, uh, the number of completion, but eight, the number of a new beginning. And so what you see is this picture of a donkey that Jesus himself chose. In the middle of a world where Romans would be riding their white stallions and these majestic horses and steeds that God said, you guys can take your donkey, your horses and your stallions and your steeds. I'm choosing this. I'm choosing this cult, this humility, this humble thing. To, to create a new picture for me of servant leadership. And so, uh, verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, 
God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Listen to this. Though that was shorter. And it's a reminder for me that the path that God has for you and I, okay, he's leading us to the promised land. It says what Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And in the meantime, what he's doing with us, so he's preparing a place for us, but while we're here in the meantime, he's preparing us for the place. I don't know if that rings with you like it rang with me, but this process, this journey is to prepare us for the place. And so even though I don't understand sometimes why it's taken so long, why is it that I'm 38 years old and I'm in fifth grade and God said, yeah, you, you know, through a word from the Lord that I was going to be teaching the word, that I would be a Bible teacher. And so why did it take me, what, 34 years to figure this out or 30 years to figure this out? Um, I, God took me on the scenic route. He took me the long way because he can see things, he knows things that I didn't know. And I guess in your life, maybe you feel that, right? Whether it's if you're in the music business, if you're in your career, if you're in a ministry deal or uh, your marriage, your, your life, your things that you want, you want to find that special someone. And you feel like, man, God has taken me the scenic route of this thing. He's taken me the long way. He took the Israelites a 10-day journey that they could have gone right through the Philistine country. And instead, he gave them the year version of it. And so it took this path. And it says this, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He's telling him, look, guys, I got a plan for you. If I send you this way, it's too much. You see it now and it's going to blow you away. It's going to freak you out. War is going to freak you out. So I'm going to take you around. I'm going to take you the scenic route. And if you're just joining us, I said this at the beginning, but it was easy for God to get Egypt, uh, the people out of Egypt. That was God. That was easy to do. However, getting the Egypt out of the people, getting world out of you, out of me, that takes time and it takes a journey and it takes us going through some stuff that maybe we don't understand. And so God led the people around by the desert road toward the sea. And again, if you look at it on a map, it's like he went all the way around. It's like he completely took the scenic route. In verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, or Sukkoth, I like it better when it's Succoth, because that's sometimes how it feels in life. This really sucketh. They camped at Ethan, on the edge of the desert. By day, it's about time for me to turn my phone off, isn't it? By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So here they were in this bleak, in this brutal place, okay? They're on the edge of disaster, right? They're literally taken up to the edge. God is saying, instead of taking you this route, I'm going to take you to a route that takes you to the, to the sea, to the edge of disaster. And by the way, the name Etham there means I'm with you. It's a beautiful picture of it. It says, I'm, I'm with them. So it looks like you're on the brink of disaster. And God's saying with the name of this, that I'm with you. But now he says this, and everybody knows this, right? Everybody has ever, if you've been around church for any length of time, you are familiar with the pillar of fire and the cloud. 
Now, I don't know if anybody is, uh, maybe you didn't think this way, but when I visually picture the cloud, okay, what I pictured was a cloud over the top of them. I mean, I'm sorry, in front of them. Like that's what we, when we would do the flannel graphs, okay, what we would do is the, the, the cloud would be in front of them and when the cloud would move this way, they would know to go this way and they would follow the cloud that way. But I saw something in Psalm 105 that jumped out at me and it was Psalm 105, 39. And it's a picture of, and you don't have to go there, but you see that's where David is talking about this image. But he says, I put over them for a covering, a cloud. And what I never knew before was that the cloud wasn't in front of them. It was over the top of them. And why is that important? I think it's important because it shows me how God leads us. Because if you're in the desert, the temperature could be, what, 120, 130 degrees during the daytime, right? And so when you are under the cloud, it's cool and it is refreshing, and it is easy, and it is peaceful. And it's a picture for how God leads us. Follow me on this. In your life, maybe this makes sense to you. But the people of Israel, when the cloud was over them, sitting still, they knew, we'll just stay here. We want to stay where it's cool, where, the, where there's no burden, where it's easy and it's light. And when God needed them to move on, he moved the cloud. And if you're sitting where the cloud is now moved from, you're sitting in an oven. It's 120 degrees. And what are you going to do? You're going to follow the cloud. And it's interesting to me, the image of the clouds of how God leads us, how he leads me. And I look back over my life, and that's exactly one of the methods that God has used to lead me. And that is when I'm in a place where I'm not in a burden, and what does Jesus say? That my burden is light, my, my load is easy, my burden is light. And when I get to that point where it's like works and straining and stress, man, I know that it's maybe I need to move on. God, I believe, leads us with peace, with peace in our hearts. And if it's in a burdensome situation. So I guess, you know, people say, hey, Darren, how do you, why do you study? Why do you take so much time? How does it? And for me, with this conduit, it's it's because it's cool for me. This is easy for me because it's what God called me to do. It's cool and it's light and it's refreshing and it's where God put us. And that's what I love about conduit because we're not working that hard. I mean, it's not that we're being lazy, but so much stuff is happening and we're not even working at it that hard. God is giving us a place of cool and refreshment and of, of non-burdensome stuff. And think about it this way. It's cool. That's how God leads us. Another image, by the way, when you're looking at the clouds, so you're under the cool, refreshing time of God in the clouds. And when the clouds move, all right, and it gets hot where you are and it gets cooking, God is leading you on. Another image, though, from the clouds is this, that one day Jesus himself, okay, it says this in Acts 1 when he says he left received, I think it's Acts 1 verse 9, that he was received up into the clouds, right? And it says that in Thessalonians that he's going to come back in the clouds. And so to me, the questions of how is God leading me, is God leading me in a specific direction, isn't just, is it cool? Is it refreshing? Is it where God wants me to be? Is there peace? But there's another picture, and that's a picture of the clouds and a reminder that I've only got so much time here. 
I've only got so many minutes available to me and that the clouds remind me that Jesus is returning in the clouds and that I'm going to face him and everything that I've done, every minute that I've wasted, and not in a beat down, burdensome kind of way, but in a positive, rewarding kind of way. Those things, every minute that I've watched, you guys have been around, heard me say this before, but you know what? Every minute of Seinfeld that I watched, that's going to be burned up. It's not necessarily even a sin. It's just wasted time. It's wasted energy. But that fire, that judgment of God, when he returns in the clouds, it's a reminder for me that I want to use my time wisely. I wrote about it a few weeks ago, but time, redeeming time, think of it almost like a um, redeeming a coupon. I've only got so many uh, minutes, right? And I'm redeeming them. I'm spending them. Uh, to get something in exchange for that. And so when God says, uh, or Paul says, uh, God says through Paul, to redeem the time for the days are evil, I believe that's what he means. It's a financial term. It's us exchanging the minutes that we have and getting in exchange for that in eternity. Again, the picture of even what Israel is going through here, they're being prepared for a promised land. You and I are being prepared for eternity by what we do here. Every minute that we have, Every second that we spend can be spent investing for eternity. And I think that it's important to remember that what God, in Matthew 25, when we wonder, what's Jesus going to ask us about when we get back? What's he going to be concerned about with how I spent my time? It says in Matthew 25 that he's going to ask me, what did you do for the least of these brothers of mine? And so those times that we're spending investing in Haiti, in Africa, our money, our time, our blood, our sweat, our tears, that is invested in eternity for us. And I don't know how else to explain it other than to say this, that when we get there, how we spend our time here, there's no indication in the Bible that I can find that we get a second chance in heaven, okay? And, and hear me say this, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, man, your, your past is taken care of. Your future is absolutely secure, but the rewards that you get, the rewards that God, when he sees you, when Jesus sees you and he sees me, and he says these questions, how did you spend your time for the least of these brothers of mine? And he talks about it, feeding and clothing. And and I'm so blessed we're here tonight. And I mean, when I see the middle of nowhere, North Dakota, seriously, when we get done, go to my Facebook page and look at that video of North Dakota where we are. Because there was a little sign, I swear, that said entering the middle of. But we're in a place tonight, and the Native Americans up here, the reservation, that this is the first time they've ever experienced anything like this, ever. And we were meeting these lovely uh, ladies tonight who made this for me. Uh, And Shannon, I I don't know what I'm going to do with this because I really can't really wear this. But they made this for us because this is the first time that anyone has ever done anything like this, ever, in in the history of this place. That's a moment for eternity. There's no glamour here tonight. It's not a cool place, but man, there are young men and women out here tonight. We're we're partnered with a ministry called The Pulse here in North Dakota. And man, what a great opportunity when Jesus says for the least of these brothers of mine, that it's one more thing for every band on this tour. And if you you want to check out even right now, check out with this thought of what am I doing for the least of these brothers of mine? Because Jesus is coming back with the clouds and those clouds are going to be a cloud of us, a reminder of us of of the judgment that's coming, of rewarding for what we've done here on this side as he prepares that place for us. The other thought that I have as far as the clouds go is Hebrews, which is that great cloud of witnesses. 
the clouds of how he leads us. So he leads us one with, is it cool? Is it refreshing? Is it a burden on you? Then it's probably not the Lord because that cloud is a moment of refreshing for you. The, the question of, is it going to count when Jesus comes back on the clouds? Is, are these things, if, if he's leading me in this direction, is it going to count? Because if he's leading you someplace, I promise you, he's leading you to a place to do something that actually counts for eternity. And the third thing is the cloud of witnesses. Does it conform to what Jesus said? When, when Jesus was baptized, um, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he takes him to the Mount of Transfiguration later. And he says, this is my beloved son. And he says to him, you know, listen to him. I mean, this is my, uh, my paraphrase of it. But whatever he says to do, do it. So the cloud of witnesses, the cloud of those that are around you, the, those, those, uh, the, those people that are our uh, counsel around us. The, the Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counsel. And then the Bible talks about in Hebrews, that great cloud of witnesses, the witnesses that's Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 11. It tells us who those witnesses were. It's Abraham, it's Moses, it's the, the, the patriarchs. And what that means is that when I go to the word, like we're going to the word tonight, that that is our counsel, our cloud of witnesses. If I want to have an appointment with Moses to see how he'd handle a situation, I just go to Exodus. I can go to Isaiah. I can go to Abraham and find out how they would have handled the situation because that's the great cloud of witnesses. So the cloud is how he leads Israel. The cloud is how he leads us. But, 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 and you're saying, yeah, Darren, but what about the fire? Absolutely. He not only led by a cloud by night or by day, he led a fire by night. And anybody out there, Terry Scott, I see you out there. You remember the the old 1980s video of a fire by night. But listen to this. The fire speaks of trials. It speaks of judgment. It speaks of tribulation. And God, not only sometimes is it going to be under the coolness of a cloud, but sometimes it's by the fire of a tribulation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you remember them? Remember when they went into the into the fiery furnace? It says that it burned their clothing. I mean, it didn't, I'm sorry. It didn't burn their clothing. It didn't burn them. But what did it do? The ropes that were on their wrists, it burned that off. That trial that they went through, that thing that scorched them, that thing that was around them, it didn't hurt them. And what did it do? The trial actually freed them. And when you think about it, especially if you're young and single, maybe you've gone through this where Man, I can't believe she dumped me. It went through this trial that I went through. He dumped me, and I can't believe what a jerk. And then later in life, you realize, oh, but that was a freeing thing for me. The freedom that that fire brought for me. So not only is he leading me with a cloud, but sometimes he's leading me, and Alan says, right, which is purified, the cleansing fire in our life. And fire, you know what? Sometimes it dark time, like nighttime, that's kind of a spooky time. I'm looking out my North Dakota window and hoping that the... Uh, abominable snowman is not real it's dark outside and the fire can seem kind of scary but at the other side of that that fire that god uses to purify us he uses it to cleanse us he uses it to lead us putting my papers away here so from north dakota the condensed study of the word tonight is how does God lead you and how does he lead me? In Exodus 13, we see a people that were led out. They were rescued, they were freed, but they weren't just taken the short route. They were taken 
the long route. God needed to take him a year. He needed to take him. And sometimes, and I think it's important for you to understand that. I know I'm beating it over the head, but if you don't, then you get confused. If you get to thinking, man, God, why am I going through this? You may not realize that, man, God is actually leading you around this because he's preparing you for eternity. Those trials, those things that you didn't understand, God is there with you in the middle of it. And just like he was for Israel, and of course, Israel, when they get there through the lack of faith, that one-year journey that God had planned for them actually turned into 40 years. And we'll get to that as the days and the weeks build. But for tonight, if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, if you're wondering how is it possible that I'm still going in circles with my relationship with the Lord, how is it possible that this ministry that I had planned, that these ideas that I had, that God has, that I still haven't received him yet, that I haven't seen him. Remember that God has you on a journey and he's taking that journey, not just to get you out of Egypt, but to get Egypt out of you. And so those things that confuse you, those things that feel like they're beating you down, understand that God might have you in that, that purifying fire. And then he might have you for a period of time under the cloud, the cloud to keep you cool and refreshed and to keep you at peace. It's, it's a beautiful picture of how God leads us. I look back on my life and I see that this is exactly what God did for me, um, even when I didn't know it. And that's the beauty of what God leads you. You know, you knowing it could be helpful, but it is not necessary for, for you to understand it. So that's, that's the condensed version of Conduit tonight from North Dakota. We have uh, Jeremy and Amber Heslip um, and the Everlife girls. Uh, we miss them. They're headed to headed to Europe. They left today. They're going to be gone for uh, two months. So be praying for them that God will take care of them while they're there. Uh, be praying for our trip to Haiti coming up in March. Uh, and if the Lord leads you tonight, there's no pressure at all because Second uh, Corinthians 9 says, if you feel pressure to give, then you don't have to. Uh, but if the Lord leads you tonight, remember that for 15 bucks, you can give it online at conduitmission.org. Uh, for 15 bucks, you can feed a child in Haiti for an entire month. Uh, if the Lord leads you, you can give that donation online. We'd love to have you, um, love to have you, uh, hey, yeah, Chris, we're going to Haiti together. Uh, we'd love to have you, if the Lord leads you to give. Um, and uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, and we could actually go for some discussion here. Uh, could we discuss in writing here? <laughs> Or you're too late.